0: Well, this morning we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, We talked about how last week the the truth of the gospel is offensive to man's pride. Why? There's something natural in mankind to want to earn his salvation. Every other religion except the Christian faith has a works-based salvation. There's something in us that wants to say, I am inherently good in this way. I am worthy of God blessing me and receiving me because of such and such. Pride suggests that enough goodness can substitute for belief in the Son of God. And faith, though, requires a humble admission. Faith in Christ humbly admits that we are helpless to redeem ourselves. That is the Christian message. Inside of every one of us is a tendency to boast, to pat ourselves on the back, if somebody won't give us an attaboy, we will give it to ourselves. That we have something to boast about before God, that we're somehow not more filthy and wicked as others. But the Bible contends that God's people have no boast except in Jesus Christ. If you get this, you will not only be saved, but you will find power to live a godly, happy, and humble life to the glory of God. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4 this morning. This is the 12th sermon in the book of Romans so far. It's on page 999 and page 1000 in the Bible that's provided for you there in the pew. It will help you to have a Bible open to follow along. Advance the gospel, that phrase comes right out of the book of Romans. It is the name of this series because Romans is an exposition, a preaching of the gospel an application of the gospel. And if you want a church to get healthier in love, in, in truth, in evangelism, Romans' message is this, gospelize the church. Get the church more and more rooted in Jesus Christ through faith in Him alone. The author is the Apostle Paul. He's, he's also a missionary, writing from Corinth to friends in the church of Rome to root them deeper in Christ, in God's purposes in Christ. Remember those three Ps of of, uh, why he wrote. He wrote to prepare the gathering of these believers in Rome for his visit to present the logic of the gospel to them and to promote peace between some of the unnecessary tensions that were there between Jews and Gentiles. In the first three chapters we looked at so far Paul has emphasized everybody needs Jesus and they all need Jesus the same way. There's not this group in the church who needs Jesus a little bit more than, say, the other side, right? The Jews need Jesus the same way the Gentiles do, and that's shocking to them. And there's a number of reasons for that. There's some some false presuppositions they have made, traditions that they need to jettison that are separate from their own scriptures. Because here's the thing, Paul says, he's shown them from their own Bible. All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every sinner needs not only their sins wiped away, that's one part of it, but they also need the gift of righteousness credited to them by God's grace through faith in Jesus' work, not our works, in His perfect obedience and His death in payment for our sins and His resurrection from the dead, which He was raised for our justification. So God justly, righteously justifies Righteously righteous, says, <laughs> undeserving sinners before his holy throne. How? By judging sin, upon, uh, the t- uh, sin upon, uh, on Christ, laying the guilt of his people upon Christ and judging him in their place and then crediting them with the gift of righteousness by grace through faith. So I just want to make sure we're right here. This is a very doctrinal section. The applications and the exhortations are going to be coming more as we get deeper into Romans but we are going to be square in some serious doctrine this morning and so in the letter Paul takes on a debate partner as we've been talking about a confessing Jewish Christian who imagined that observance of the Mosaic law the law of Moses was also part of their right standing with God Jesus plus and this was the part of their boasting that's of course that leads to superiority compared to those more filthy Gentiles can you imagine And so Paul asserts they don't know the scriptures very well because everyone is equal, equally wicked in the eyes of God. Church folks, you do know that we are all equally separated from God in our sins, right? There's there's not a tier system here in the church building this morning. None of your brothers and sisters needed Christ more than the next. We all either lived wild in sin or we have boasted in self-righteousness And both of those are detestable in the eyes of God. Well, back here, as we finished up chapter 3 last week, Paul touched on the basic points he wants to make about faith before developing them with a greater link with respect now to Abraham. So picture Paul with me in your imagination. As a prosecuting attorney, he's about to call one of his chief witnesses and experts the man who started the Jewish people, Abraham. Can you see the courtroom as he says, Your Honor, I'd like to call in our expert witness on how justification is by grace alone, through the channel of faith alone and not by works, and the whole courtroom. (gasps) Gasp. Romans chapter 4. What then would we say that Abraham... Our forefather, according to the flesh, is found. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as as a gift, but as something owed. But the one who does not work, but believes on him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Likewise, David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. This is God's holy word. What a passage. The context reveals if you're boasting, you're not blessed. If you're boasting, you're not blessed. However, if you're blessed, you have nothing in which to boast. In each major section of verses 1 through 8 here, look at it. You'll see this, 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 the, the drama jumps off the page. It was credited to him for righteousness. His faith is credited for Righteousness. Of the person to whom God credits righteousness. Just to be clear, this is again repetition in the text. It's almost like Paul is is having a little fun here. Uh, In case you didn't understand there, Sparky, gifts are not earned, they're freely given. Righteousness, a right standing before God is a gift and has always been, is Paul's point. Faith is not the cause. Faith is the channel by which the grace, which is the cause, travels to you and me, says Paul. Here's the central point. Therefore, in your bulletin, salvation has always been a gift given and not a wage earned. Salvation has always been a gift given and not a wage earned. Number one, the plain teaching of Paul. The plain teaching of Paul. You ever been on a boat that's taking water on it from a leak? How about, uh, how about this, this It's close to home to me and to others, how about a basement that's taking on water? As you fight it, you feel so discouraged because it feels like the momentum is too much against you. Well, Paul is facing a lot of leaky vessels here, so to speak. There were some Jewish believers who were more heavily influenced pouring into their vessel by tradition than they were by scripture. You follow me. Jesus nor the apostles ever referred to the apocryphal writings of Israel. They were never referred to as scripture by Jesus or the apostles. But nevertheless, these writings, which contain some facts, we need to know they were never received as God's word. Even Jerome tried to tell Augustine that. One of the verses from the Apocrypha says this, for Abraham was perfect in all of his actions with the Lord and was pleasing through righteousness all of the days of his life, End quote. Paul is going to have to slap down. He's going to have to shore up this leak because that, does not, that is in direct contradiction to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis overwhelmingly shows the patriarchs need the Lord. I was talking to one of my sons. We're doing a Bible reading plan, doing the chronological plan. And he was like, yeah, just, they had some crazy stories going on here with the patriarchs today. I'm like, yeah, I know. Those are the kinds of people God saves, sinners. Abraham was not perfect in all his actions. He messed up a lot. He lied about his wife twice. He allowed his wife to talk him into adultery. He allowed her to guilt him into sending his own son Ishmael away that came from that adulterous relationship. He was a mess, just like you and me. Paul has argued that literally no one can justify themselves before God because all, according to God's word, he states, are under sin. And Abraham is not separate from that truth, regardless of what tradition has told these people. We all make decisions. What We have authorities over us in decision-making. Reason, tradition, experience, or scripture. All these other things can play a good role. But above reason, tradition, experience is always scripture. God's word is our final authority, church. Amen? Amen. Amen. No one in their religious observances can give themselves a new account before God, as if they have perfect righteousness uh, on their own. No, no one can cover all of their evil thoughts. Think about your own thought life, your words, and your deeds. That's all seen before God Almighty. You cannot make up for the ways that you failed to do good when you had the opportunity to do what was right according to God's perfect standard. You cannot cover up the ways you actually hated God while saying you loved him with your mouth. God sees it. And so one of the most cherished of all fallacies is that man has some spark of goodness which needs only to be fanned into a flame that is absurd man needs to literally be born again so the bible teaches that justification is a gift from god is a gift not a reward for something we do and so how does god gift it freely and what does this mean Where our statements of faith do a great job of summarizing the Bible's teaching on this doctrine, these statements of faith that belong to the La Plata Baptist Church, they're deeply rooted in the Word and, and in history of how God's people have understood the Bible. The Baptist faith and message, which we confess as a church, says justification is God's gracious and full acquittal upon principles of His righteousness of all sinners who repent and believe in Christ. Justification brings the believer unto a relationship of peace and favor with God. A few years ago, we added the Cambridge Declaration just to go a little bit further, telling us how he does it. In justification, Christ's righteousness is imputed, credited to us as the only possible satisfaction of God's perfect justice. No wonder we confess as a church that justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. It is a gift. It is a, say with me, Gift. Amen. So, as you will see this morning, the Bible teaches justification is a gift, not a reward for something we do. And so, he elaborates on the points that none may boast in this section. No one can say that God is obligated to them because of their goodness. No one can boast in the fact that their ethnicity made them more worthy. As a Jew, no one may claim that the law of God was nullified because in Christ the law is fulfilled in his person. And when someone puts their faith in the biblical Christ, they are justified as if they had fulfilled it through Christ. And to prove his point, he now looks at the story in the history of Abraham. Father Abraham, chief illustration of how someone believes God's testimony to them and God, according to his own prerogative, credits To them, righteousness. And so Paul's contemporaries, again, emphasizing the Mosaic Covenant at the expense of God's prior work. Guess who preceded Moses? Abraham did. And so he schools them by showing how justification has always been by faith. It's not a new revolution. Paul's not some revolutionary. He's not bringing new doctrine. He's just teaching them plain from God's word. do you know how lost you are without God today? You see, you not only stand guilty for the evil words and thoughts and deeds you have committed, but you stand guilty for ignoring God's bold witness to you in creation, which shows you that there is a God and you have an evil rebellion. You have evilly chosen in rebellion to suppress that truth. Your heart is not right outside of God's grace. Your free will is morally tainted. Your spirit cut off. You don't want him, and that's why you don't follow him. That's the, the words, hard truth for us as sinners outside of God's grace. It tells us that so we know how desperate we are. I mean, we are in serious shape without God's grace. We're in bad shape. And it, it is um, inherently sinful to deny Are evil. It's wrong to deny we are sinners before God. Who knows us better than we know ourselves. If We say we have not sinned. The truth is not in us. And I will say this. Because of that hardness of heart. You and I would never choose God. Unless he moved upon us first. And today maybe that's why you're here. Is to know that God cares for you enough. To tell you that you can be forgiven. If you put your faith. Trust in Jesus Christ alone today. Jesus loves you. That's, that's one of the best parts of my job uh, as a pastor is I get to get up and preach that Christ loves you. Jesus loves you despite how you have hated him with your life. He died to set sinners free from the penalty, death and hell, from the power of sin, sin's and enslavement of you, and finally, one day, the presence of sin, the day he returns to, to judge all things and make all things new. The Bible's answer has never been you and your works plus some Jesus will get your salvation. It's always been Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. You have to put your faith in him, not in you. Faith is the conviction that Christ is our only hope. Salvation has always been a gift and not a earned. Number two, the past credit principle. The past credit principle. One of the things that struck me early as a pastor in Maryland was how confused at times Protestant church members were um, confused about the differences between them and, say, Roman Catholicism, the Church of Rome, which the Vatican, the Magisterium, the collection of priests and popes. There was confusion. I knew I was no longer in Florida where I grew up. I, I, I never saw bumper stickers that says... It's Maryland, she wants it back. You ever seen that bumper sticker around? They're everywhere. Meanwhile, the Bible witness never portrays Mary in an exalted light like that. So when your faith makes you more excited about a human figure who by the way Jesus corrected, you are misunderstanding scripture. The Roman Catholic Church has always taught and still officially teaches that God, pay attention to me. Must make us holy before he can savingly love us. That God must make us holy before he can savingly love us. According to them, before uh, uh, before a Roman Catholic can be justified, according to the Vatican, he must first be sanctified, made holy through observances, through baptism, through a number of other acts. But Protestant teaches Protestant teaches Protestantism teaches the reverse before a person can ever be sanctified he must first be justified scripture portrays god's salvation is so great and loving that it's not because of any good merits observances that we have done that causes us you know that, that where we cooperate you know with the sacraments of the church no he his love and salvation is so great, that he alone is so good and so glorious that he himself gives us spiritual life. He works repentance and faith in our hearts through the word of God, by the Spirit of God. And it's by faith alone, trusting in Christ alone that we are given forgiveness. We're not first set on some pattern of holiness. we begin to finish off the process. Our sins are forgiven in Christ fully. He paid for our sins once and for all. And when he died on the, was dying on the cross, he said, it is finished. It is by faith alone in Christ alone that we are given forgiveness for our sins. Look at verses 1 through 3. Just unlike those in error here and unlike the Vatican, Scripture alone was Paul's authority. And so he reminds us of Scripture's authority. We start with Scripture's authority. Let's go back to the book of Genesis, he says here first part of the argument is to take these debate partners back to the past principle of how God has always justified sinners. The question is, how did Abraham, our Jewish ancestor, our father, obtain justification? And how does one actually properly identify as a true child of Abraham? And so he continues to argue, salvation, man has nothing to boast in. Verse 1, he raises the fundamental example of Abraham and what he found to be him, Abraham, what he found to be true on this issue. In verse 2, if Abraham was justified by good works, he would have something to boast in. But he doesn't before God. He doesn't because verse 3 reminds us that Abraham was justified by grace through faith. Look at verse 3. He believed God and God credited to him as righteousness unrighteous, straight out of Babylon. That's what his T-shirt would have said, straight out of Babylon, out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham came out of that pagan region and was counted. He was, uh, by, for reasons we don't know, God chose him and he worked, spoke to him. Abraham believed him and it was credited to him as righteousness. His account of debt through sin was wiped clean and then his account was filled up with perfect righteousness from God. Amazing. This guy, that guy, when you see Abraham, you go, if God could do it for him, he could do it for me. God did this, all of this for him. He credited Abraham with righteousness. And the bottom line to the confused Jew here who was embraced false doctrine, God credited righteousness to Abraham on account of faith, not works. The word counted or credited means reckoned or imputed. It's a legal decision of God to count righteousness to Abraham rather than a sum of money might be credited, like a sum of money credited to an account. It concerns a change of status rather than a change of character. Let me say that again. It's a change of status rather than a change of character. Justification is. When God credits righteousness to Abraham, he did so in an instant. Any change in Abraham's character came gradually, subsequently of that. So Rome is wrong. Abraham didn't have to clean up and finish off his justification. God saves him and then progressively sanctifies him, just like he does you and me. Contrary to these confused Jewish believers and to the Roman Catholic councils, It was not that God started making him holy first through observances. He made him holy through justification. And the rest of the story is, you know what happens as Abraham progresses. And so he cites Genesis 15 6. That's a huge dramatic encounter with God in Genesis 15. It's massive. I preached it a couple of months ago. And so in this chapter, Abraham wondered, remember whether his servant Eliezer would be his his heir? Because He and Sarah, (laughs) she's got some miles on her. I got miles on me. I don't don't know how this is going to happen. We're going to have a child? We're going to have a a child that will, what? And so God shows him the stars of the sky, promising that his descendants would be as innumerable as the stars, and Abraham believed it and was counted righteous. This righteousness was not naturally his virtue, uh, by virtue of his faith, but itself was a grace gift. In this way, bringing Genesis and Romans together, so Abraham, like us, did not possess any inherent righteousness. There are none who are righteous. No, not one, including Abraham. So some teach. There are some out there who write commentaries. And I read them this week that teach Abraham's faith was his righteousness. They read the passage as if as teaching that Abraham. As heroic rather than the text emphasizing God's promise and grace. What in Paul's argument is saying anything remotely about Abraham being the hero? Nothing. You have to read that into it. That's not exegesis of the text, that's eisegesis. That's reading it into. Faith cannot be a substitute for righteousness because the important word in the text that keeps hitting us upside the head is credited. It's a gift. It does, not, it does not allow for that interpretation. You can't read the Bible like that. The story is not how Abraham generously offered God his faith. And in return for his faith, God gave Abraham righteousness. No, that would turn faith into a human work. It means that faith is the channel by which the undeserved righteousness of God is credited to the sinner. Abraham was fully aware of his need before God. He knew that he was without without God, and he believed God's word. It's never said that people are saved because of their faith in the Bible, or even on the basis of their faith in the Bible. They are saved by grace through faith, faith as a channel. God did not justify Abraham because he was godly. That's what they're trying to argue when they flip the text around. Abraham was ungodly, and God justifies the ungodly by faith alone, Romans Four teaches, because Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5, 6 will say. Being reckoned, credited with righteousness, does not bestow the quality of righteousness on the sinner, but enables a relationship with God fulfilled in the person and work of Christ. God judges our sins upon Christ, credits the righteousness of Jesus to our accounts if we believe upon Him. He unites us to Christ so that our relationship with God is no longer one of enmity, but faith. Through Jesus, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Some object. Oh, some object. Bring the book of James, where James denies faith alone. But if they would simply read those two letters, James and Romans, beside one another, they could see that both letters have two different agendas to them. They're not at odds with one another. Paul wrote here in Romans to those deeply influenced by the Jewish emphasis on the observance of the law. They needed to learn that righteousness of God can be received only through faith. James spoke to those who tended to forget that saving faith must of necessity express itself in action. Faith without works is dead. So for Paul, Abraham was credited with righteousness when he believed God's promise for an offspring. For James, that faith was confirmed when Abraham offered his son on the altar, knowing that God could raise him from the dead. Paul was concerned with the basis of for justification, James, he's concerned with its practical expression and conduct. You've got to know why the letters are different. Now, note this Abraham illustrates that it's always been by grace through faith. That's his point. He lived long before the Mosaic Law to show that the only way for sinful persons, people, to come into a relationship with God is by grace through faith. And also, notice this this will slip by you. He talks about our forefather according to the flesh. He's already preparing it. It's brilliant. It's like the Holy Spirit breathed God's word. Oh, yeah, that's what the Bible says. The the scriptures are God breathed. He's already setting us up. You call yourself a child of Abraham, but are you really? You see, there are physical descendants, Paul will make the case, but then there are spiritual true children of Abraham by faith in Christ. He's laying the groundwork. It's not your physical DNA that you share with Abraham that matters. Do you share his faith? Romans 9 says, Not all of Abraham's descendants, according to the flesh, are true children. So here's some application. Number one, come empty handed to God for Christ and trust him to keep his word. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Come empty handed. Come to Christ, not to you, not to somebody else. Not to the magisterium, for sure. Go to Christ. If God could be put in debt to any person, he would not be God. Abraham has nothing to boast about, not even his faith. Who was it that placed that conviction in his heart? Who was it revealed to him uh, who God well, himself is? God revealed that to Abraham. He has nothing to boast in. And neither do you and I. The Holy Spirit convicted us of the truth, did he not? He did. The idea of earning one's salvation is based on the erroneous assumption that people can somehow cause God to owe them something because of something they have done. And Paul is just keeps just knocking that idea out of the room. If, if Paul is a bouncer in the club... That idea keeps getting bounced out the club. It can't stay. You can't stay in here. It's separate from the truth. Abraham did the only thing a person can do without doing anything in works. He believed. You have to believe God. You have to believe in Jesus. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed upon Him for your salvation? Are you convinced that there's nothing you can bring to your salvation? But Christ did it all. Are you convinced of that today? By the way, Galatians 3 says that uh, Abraham's belief in what God had to say concerning the promised seed was in the last analysis a belief in the Christ. Second application, build your faith. Build your faith by praising Christ for what he has done and not yourself. That's very countercultural, isn't it? We live in a very self-aggrandizing age, don't we? That's not the way of the the Christian. We build our faith by saying, glory to Christ alone. That's why we sing, and can it be? Who was the one who freed us from the slavery of sin? We were in the prison. We were in the dungeon. God sent his grace towards us. And by his grace, we rose and went forth. He's the one who... Christ Jesus is the liberator. He is our savior. We exalt Jesus. If you want more therapy, if you want more self-help, you've come to the wrong service. I'm not going to point you towards that. I'm going to point you to Jesus. We need Christ. You need to set your eyes on Jesus. Third application, when you fail this week, come back to the fact you're just like Abraham. A sinner saved by grace. This had to be shocking to those who were steeped in tradition. Are you saying to me that Abraham is just a sinner saved by grace? That's exactly what God's word says. Saved by grace through faith unto good works, not by them. Good works are the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. Rome, you're wrong and you've been wrong a long time. And you've condemned us for centuries. Repent. Jesus is the only foundation. Number four, let your faith be built on the plain teaching of scripture and not your feelings or someone's tradition. Let your faith be built on the plain teaching of scripture and not your feelings or someone's tradition. Let it be observably plain from God's word. Feelings betray us all the time. There are people who say they feel things regularly. doesn't mean they're right. And we could go off on that for all day. We're not going to do that. But here's what I know. God's word is true. Everyone else is a liar. God is the truth. Salvation has always been a gift given and not a wage earned. Number three. Consider the past. Now let's look at number three. The present credit reality. We looked at The past credit principle, now number three here, the present credit reality, verses four and five. So do you know, there is one longer in the room I at least see this morning. Do you know the difference between a shear head cut down machine and a saw head cut down machine? Yeah. You do. Thank you, Jackson. I knew you'd get that one. It makes all the difference in the world and how the, the log is taken down. And, and uh, there's a number of things that concerns even going to the mill and how you, which one you use. But do you know that? Let, let me just raise something else. Do you know the difference between paying in cash versus paying in credit? Uh, do you know the difference between a, a well done steak and a, and a medium rare steak? Okay, maybe just trying to help some of you. There's things we, sh- we should just know the difference on. But the most important thing we need to understand, this is, I want to make it as simple as I can. There's a difference between a wage earned and a gift given. The logic of verses four and five. It's not easy to understand at first glance because Paul does not express the major premise of his argument as you just surface read it, but it's helpful to unpack his logic here. Look at verses 4 and 5. When we work, an employer pays us wages. It's not a gift. It's a wage. Do we understand? All right. It's an obligation. It's not a gift. Amen? I mean, you went to work this week, I hope... You earn those wages, right? Nothing against gifts. We're going to talk about that now. God is a God of grace, though. Look at the text. Who always gives freely without constraint? He can never be obligated to any person. And so therefore, God cannot credit human beings' gift because anything on the basis of their works would not be a gift. And so verse 5 is the most dramatic verse of good news in the whole section. Look at the amazing announcement. And this must have, this had to hit those folks kind of square right between the nose if they thought Abraham was perfect God makes sinners right in his sight he justifies the ungodly that includes Abraham and it includes sinners like you and me God justly justifies the ungodly through Christ Jesus Doug Moose said a a justly famous claim about the nature of God's justification of of sinful humans. He says, God does not justify people who believe they have earned their righteousness as in the case of an employer who's obliged to pay employees for the work they've done. Rather, God justifies people who are in themselves ungodly, illustrating that justification is by grace alone. It is a gift. And so justification by works would mean that God gives the wages due for work accomplished. Justification by faith, it means God showing His kindness to undeserving sinners. Again, faith is, is, the instru- is the channel. It is the expression of trusting in the Lord. It is conviction to know I am a sinner who needs Christ. Faith is the channel of God's grace. It is the hand that reaches out and receives the gift of grace. The gift is extended. And under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you reach out and you take hold by faith. Have you laid hold of Jesus as your only hope today? Or is there something in you still saying, well, I am trusting in Jesus, but I'm I'm also pretty good. He wouldn't let me go because I'm I'm also pretty good. No, throw that out. That's not a gift. You're still looking for wages. God extends the gift of Christ to you today. Reach out and receive him by faith. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Two views of faith are in contention. You either see faith as your activity, as something God responds to, or you see faith as a response to God's activity. The Jews saw faith as a definite activity, as faithful action in accord with God's will. And they understood God responded to Abraham's faith, as I mentioned earlier, by declaring him righteous. But Paul understood it exactly opposite as a person's response to God's action, not God responding to our good action. You understand the difference, don't you, church? Under a system of works, everything depends on the sinner. Under grace, everything depends on the Savior. Under a system of works, God gives a fair trial, but under the second, he gives a free pardon. And he's already made the case in chapter 2 and in chapter 3, you do not want God to judge you based on your works. You don't want him based I'm coming to you based in fairness. Fairness is judgment. Grace is salvation in Christ. Take a look at the argument. God's justification is extended to the individual as a sinner, not as a saint. That that to me blows the whole system up. Justification is extended to the individual as a sinner. He's not extending it to Abraham because he's a saint. Amen. Amen. God did not save you, church member, because you were already good and you proved yourself somehow to God. Go back and read all the verses of chapter three. There are none who are righteous. No, not one for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Come on, man. That's not what the Bible teaches that we're saved by works. He extends salvation to sinners, not to saints. Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. A person's growth in grace then and in the knowledge of God as a saint does not increase that justification, nor does his failures or her failures decrease that justification. It is a declaration by God. Thank God we're kept by his justification. If we were somehow kept by our ongoing sanctification, we would lose it. It's like this, to obtain a pardon in court and to sue for mercy in court, a person must first plead guilty. The man who pleads not guilty can only hope for a fair trial. There's a difference, you see. To obtain a pardon and to sue for mercy in court, a person must plead guilty. But the man who pleads not guilty can only hope for a fair trial. The man who pleads guilty can only hope for mercy. God does not take sinners to heaven because they deserve it. but It's because of his mercy and grace. You have to go to God and say, I am guilty. I'm guilty of unbelief. I'm guilty of, of monumental pride. My pride has fueled my lust, my covetousness, my malice, My slander, my greed. I am a guilty sinner. There is no no righteousness in me, God. But I see that you've offered Christ. And I believe that Jesus is the son of God who lived the perfect life for me and died on the cross to shed his blood for me, to pay for my sins. And I believe you raised him from the dead because his payment was satisfactory. I believe on Jesus. God will receive you you've got to know you need him. All are under the power of sin. None have the power works to earn his favor. We need his grace. Paul means not. um, He means to just drive this home again and again. Justification is through Christ. God credits, reckons faith as righteousness through Christ. Us clinging to faith in him. Here's an application. Number one. Thank God salvation is not resting on you. Thank God your salvation is not resting finally on you. God does not weigh us and calculate if we are worthy, if we're in Christ, talking to Christians right now. He reckons us and makes us worthy to be with him through Jesus. And he creates a redemptive reality by declaring it to be so. And the divine reckoning, Based on the word, to credit means to, that we do not face an assessment as to our fittedness for heaven, for eternity, on Judgment Day. Instead, we are reckoned as righteous in the here and now. Friends, be encouraged. Aren't you glad that when God looks upon you, he sees Jesus if you put your faith in him? Number two, thank God for his gift. Thank God for his gift. How? By surrendering your life to him. Some of you today, you have been at, you realize this week, I've been at war with God some. I've been grieving the Holy Spirit. I've been doing things I know that are wrong. Well, if you are thankful for Jesus, let me encourage you as I encourage myself this morning, freshly surrender to God. Grace is God's kindness and goodness towards us without regard to worth or merit. And as a believer, we have a duty to obey the Lord. We can't earn His grace. We can't buy it. And we can't barter with God. It's God's free gift. The only thing we can do is receive it, receive it gladly. And the way that we show that we're glad in Christ is we begin to follow Him in obedience. Where are you grieving the Holy Spirit this week? Number three, let your identity rest in what God says about you in Christ. Let your identity rest in what God says about you in Christ. We have, I think, two voices that go off in our heads. Pastor Gary, are you talking to yourself sometimes? You hear, oh, I, I hear something. Not an audible voice, but that conversation in my mind. Intrusive thoughts, you can call them. One says to me I'm better than others and the other says to me I'm always trash. When those voices are coming at us from our own head, those thoughts run across our minds, what I mean by that, we need to take them to the cross. We're not better than anybody and because of Jesus, I'm not trash. I stand justified in in the Son of God. God loves me. And we don't believe that God loves us. We're walking around beating ourselves up and, and, and going down that path of self-loathing, we are forgetting what Jesus has done. Like Jesus loves us. Some of you need to be told that this week. That it's really unbelief when you're giving in to those self-afflicting, self-beating thoughts. That you're not like somebody else and you've slept up and you just, you just come constantly beating yourself. Friends, Jesus took the beating. God is pleased when we rest in him. Credit carries big significance for in it we find our identity as God's people. Acceptance. We are accepted before his throne. Don't try to clean yourself up. Just run to the Father in the Son by the Spirit. Confessing freshly how wonderful it is to know Jesus today. To those who feel the unbearable weight of your actions or inactions towards someone, Maybe you did something deeply immoral. Maybe you, you're sick in your soul under the weight of some kind of immorality. Today, perhaps most importantly, you above all need to hear me say, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ in the core of your existence. As the source of your justifying grace, is in, it's in Christ. Jesus is everything. And you need to give your sins to Jesus in repentant faith and receive from him the gift of righteousness and humble grace. Receive him. Stop cleaning yourself up for him. Receive him. God himself, who's so welcoming to you and me. If you don't get anything, please get that this morning. That God is not like us on a bad day, not wanting guests in the house. God is welcoming. And he welcomes any and all who would turn from their sins and trust in him. He's welcoming you to be justified through Jesus into an eternal transforming relationship to set you free. So turn to Christ and know that God will welcome you. That will change your life daily. It will help your walk daily to go and remember that Jesus welcomes you. Who do you serve more enthusiastically? Someone who beats on you? Who's harsh to you, who's ugly to you, or someone who encourages you, who inspires you. That is our Savior. Who is more inspiring than Jesus? Don't look in the mirror. Look at Jesus. The picture of a person standing before God and asking to be given only what I deserve is wrong in so many ways, but at least in two, they fail to recognize how deeply sinful they are, and they display a disregard for the holy majesty of God. Friends, we know that the past credit principle is true for Abraham, it's current for us right now in the present. We're saved by grace through faith. Salvation has always been a gift given and not a wage earned. Number four, last point, and it's, it's brief. The future credit blessing. The future credit blessing. Verse six, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. I mean, just when you think the prosecuting attorney Paul here couldn't bring any more drama into the courtroom, he calls in another witness, a royal figure the greatest king in the history of israel's ancient kingdom king david and the court <gasps> gasp again citing scripture and that's time not just from the first five books but from the writings from the where david wrote their wonderful and precious psalms that salvation is by grace through faith david says you are most happy most happy Most happy are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And most happy is the person the Lord will never, never, never charge them with their sins. How does God remove our sins like that? Through the cross. Just as God credited Abraham's faith to him as righteousness, God does not count the sins against those who believe. The blessing of justification, you know, God pronounces on sinners such as David here, is valid not only for Jews such as David, but for Gentiles such as Abraham before his circumcision. And that argument's coming up soon. This is the first, the, the previous verses deal with the positive side of imputation. And here, in these verses, he deals with the negative side of justification. Sins removed, righteousness credited. So here he's talking about the sins being removed. Christ is the greater scapegoat. All of our sins were laid upon him. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See Christ fresh today. Jesus went to the cross to take your sins. All those filthy, terrible things that we have done and said and thought, they were laid on him. He was treated as, as if he had committed them. In God's legal condemnation, he judged him as if he had committed our sins. And through faith in him, he gives you back his righteousness. If you don't have that message of salvation as a gift, you don't have good news. You just have the same news everybody else has let me conclude church get the gospel right the idea of justification by faith is not that some people just need god to make up for that little bit they can't do on their own heaven help us that's not that's not that's false It's not that some just need a little help, but God has to to work extra hard on other sinners. No, it's not that Jesus paid 20% of it for me and 80% for, for her. No, the gospel is that Jesus paid it all for everyone. Everyone needs Jesus the same. We all stand condemned before Him. And faith credited for righteousness underscores the basic concept of faith alone in Christ alone. Faith Unites us to Jesus, and being united to Him, we receive His righteousness. We cannot earn it; we simply receive the gift given. Amen. It's not surprising that the hymn writer that uh, have expressed both sides of this amazing exchange: our sins laid upon Christ, His righteousness given to us by faith. No wonder the, when the hymn writer said, "My sin." Oh, the bliss. Remember, David said, happy is the man, blessed is the man. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Let's pray. Father, we cast ourselves upon you. We don't want the debt of our sin. We want the credit of Christ's righteousness put to our account. There is no righteousness in us. There's only righteousness through faith in Jesus and what he accomplished. Lord, how wonderful is your salvation today. Transform us, encourage us, strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.